And I imagine when Mr. Penske calls you, you don't say no. You don't say like, no, thanks to that, <laughs> <laughs> to that offer. No, no, no. I accepted it. Welcome to Catalyst, the Launch by NTT Data podcast. I am Chris Lasacco, and I am joined, as always, by my business partner, uh, VP of Product at Launch, Gina Trapani. Gina, how are you doing today? Hey, good morning. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm excited. We have a good conversation ahead of us. Uh, we do. We have a very interesting guest joining us today in the studio. His name is Jonathan Gibson. Jonathan is the Executive Vice President of Marketing and Business Development for the Penske Corporation, which oversees the IndyCar Race Series. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Gina. Really excited to be here with you today. Likewise, we're excited to have you. Our company, NTT, sponsors the IndyCar series, but I'm guessing a lot of folks listening don't necessarily know the background about IndyCar and Penske. So I would love it if we could just start with the 101. What is IndyCar? What is its relationship to the Penske Corporation? And where do you fit into this story, Jonathan? That's great, Chris. Thank you. You know, a little bit about Penske, give you a background. You know, we're a global transportation solutions enterprise, about 75,000 employees around the world, about 42 billion in revenue. We operate uh, in four continents, nine countries. If you think about our business, you know, really it's best to articulate it in four groups. So, The number one group is our Penske Automotive Group. That's publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. We've got over 300 automotive dealerships around the world. We sell more than 30 brands. Uh, We also have, as part of that, a network of commercial truck dealerships. We've got 44. They're Freightliner branded. About 27,000 employees. Terrific business. About half the locations are in the U.S. and about half overseas. The second bucket of our business is the yellow trucks you've probably seen on the road. We've got over 400,000 trucks on the road. Great business, founded uh, back in 1969, based out of Reading, Pennsylvania. Most of those trucks are not yellow, actually. Ironically enough, they could be branded by any of our customers' brands. So it could be Cardinal Health, it could be Kroger, it could be UPS, it could be FedEx. So that's that's a terrific business based out of Reading, Pennsylvania. And then we've got Team Penske. This is our 58th year operating the legendary race team, Team Penske. We compete uh, really around the world in racing, including the NTT IndyCar Series. And then on January 6th of 2020, right before a pandemic, uh, we acquired the IndyCar Series as well as the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which also includes a production company, IMS Productions. And we couldn't be more excited about that acquisition. One of the great things that came from that acquisition was being introduced to NTT. And NTT is obviously a sponsor of the NTT IndyCar Series, but they're also a strategic partner to our entire business. Wow, the timing on that acquisition is amazing. <laughs> I mean, how are y'all feeling on like April 15th? <laughs> well, let, me, let me say, you know, Gina, you and Chris have business plans. And when we did our business plan, when we made the acquisition, we had a business plan for 300,000 people coming to the Indianapolis 500 on May, I think it was 28th of 2020. And yeah. fast forward, we actually <laughs> held the event in August of 2020, and we had 2,500 people there. And so wow. the business plan that oh we had. Didn't work out, but I'll tell you, we didn't stop. You know, Mr. Penske and the company have invested over $50 million, uh, into the Speedway since the acquisition, uh, all focused on the guest experience, and we're going to continue to invest in the series 
as well as a speedway. First of all, I'm very sorry because I know what it feels like <laughs> to lay business plans and then to just have them absolutely upended. And I just love how you all really just leaned in and invested and had that like long-term thinking. Absolutely. Because I should I feel the need to just come out early in in this show. So I'm I'm a New York City based, you know, 40-something mom. I'm definitely not your main demographic and I'm not a big motorsports fan. Right. I didn't really know anything about motorsports to be totally honest. But I had the chance to go to an IndyCar race at Laguna Seca Raceway in September. And as someone who just loves technology and loves the feeling of just community and togetherness and being at a thing and just having just an extraordinary experience, it was awesome. Like I loved it. It was absolutely awesome. A lot of it, I didn't, I didn't know really what I was looking at, you know, cause I was kind of new to it and I was kind of like, let's see what this is, but it was really, really good. So I just want to say like to our, you know, listeners who don't know a whole lot about IndyCar or who aren't motorsports people, I had to tell you, if you get a chance to go to a race, definitely check it out. Or the other thing I really recommend, there's uh, the docuseries, 100 Days to Indy on the CW. I love a great reality show. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so it's a good kind of gateway for the folks who maybe aren't in your main target audience. Because uh, so they're good just, stories. I want to say that. Yeah, they're yeah. great stories. And just the competition, and just as a data nerd, I mean, and, and I want to get into kind of the technology of it, right? Like the, the amount of data about the speed and the, the live camera feeds and the audio feeds and what's going on real time during a race. It's, it's awesome. It's a very cool experience. So I'm thrilled that that you all really lead into that. No, Gina, I'm, I appreciate you saying that. It's it's an amazing sport to see on TV, but it's even more amazing in person. Sensory overload, you know, and from a technology perspective, there's so many awesome opportunities to tell a story. Thousands and thousands and thousands of data points coming off the car every second. And the ability to take that data and make decisions quickly is really the key to success for our teams. And so, you know, look forward to getting you back. And on 100 Days to Indy, we'll talk about it maybe later, but over 4 million people watched the show last year, had a great amount of success. We've got some exciting news coming forward about season one and additional additional distribution of it, but also we're going to announce season two here next week. Oh, very oh, cool. Wonderful. That's great. You heard it here first. That's really, really great. Awesome. awesome. Very cool. I'm excited about that. Can we summarize like what the IndyCar series is all about, right? I'm imagining people hearing this and they're, they're like, okay, I know it's car racing. I've kind of heard of the Indianapolis 500, but I mean, this is like two dozen races, right? It's much more than that. Yeah. So we compete all around the country in North America. Uh, it's the most exciting form of racing really across the globe. When you look at the amount of passing that happens, the side-by-side action, at any given race, there's probably 12 to 15 drivers that have a chance to win. It's really amazing from an action standpoint. You know, speaking of the Indianapolis 500, it's the world's largest single-day sporting event in the world. Over 300,000 people on site at the wow. event. Wow! In fact, I'll give you a stat. So we're sitting here today, we're 111 days from this year's Indianapolis 500. And if we had the event today, there'd be 235,000 people at the event and we're going to add another 70,000 on top of that over the next 111 days. That's, that's tremendous. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, Amazing. that's really, really cool. You know, that's a lot of human beings. With that volume of people, how do you create that great fan experience? So you talked about that, how that's such a you know big priority for you. Um, how do you make it a great experience for a fan going to a big event like that? You know, it's a great question. When we think about the fan experience, I think it's important to say that we start when they buy their ticket. And so it's not when they get mm. to the venue. And so when they buy their ticket... When they make their plans to come to the event, we're thinking about how do we make it easier for them to access the event, to become more informed. And then when they leave their house on event day, we're thinking about traffic. We're thinking about parking, making sure they're informed on where to go. 
And then when they come to the event and they get to the venue, how do they access the venue easily? How do they feel safe? How do they feel secure? And then once they get in, making sure they have the ability to, to experience it, you know, can get to their seat safely. And then lastly, bathrooms and concessions and how do we make sure that it's easy to access it? They know where it is, what they can buy. And I think as we think about our relationship with NTT and the future of the venue experience, you know, we're going to be looking at things like frictionless shopping and how do we make sure that the expectations of the consumer are exceeded when they come to our events? Yeah, I mean, it seems like the basics are really important, right? You got to make sure that people can get there and get in and find their seat and be safe. And yeah, I mean, things like access to restrooms and all that kind of, like that stuff matters, right? That can materially change what your experience is like when you're in person at an event. But then there's also the relationship to the phone. You said before, it's a very like data rich experience. So yes, I'm looking at the track and I'm watching these cars flying down at hundreds of miles per hour, but I've also got access to a, another window of the experience, right? If I look down at my phone. So I'm, I'm curious how you think about that while I'm attending a race, but then also, you know, when I leave the speedway, like what's next? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think when you think about your phone, you know, one of the things that was really important to us and it came as part of the acquisition with the relationship with NTT was the app experience. And how do you make sure that the app experience brings the fan closer to the sport, make sure they're more informed? How does it become additive to what they're doing at the event and what they're seeing at the event? And so we've invested with NTD a lot to make sure that that experience on the app is engaging as well as uh, provides them with information and data they can't get otherwise. And so think about telemetry, think about in-car cameras, the ability to take that experience in person, but also utilize their phone to make it additive is something we've invested into. And then obviously from a telecommunication standpoint, making sure that our tracks have been invested into from a 5G service perspective. And we're, we're really fortunate to have that. In fact, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it's one of the most 5G enabled sporting venues in the country. You know, that experience is so important. At some tracks, one, one of the things we're doing is we've invested into multi-camera in-venue viewing. So in addition to the relationship with NBC, it allows the consumer to see different camera angles on their phone at the track. And so it's helped make that experience even better. And then many of our events have their own apps uh, that talk about where concession locations are, talk about bathrooms. And you said something about bathrooms earlier, which I thought was important. You know, when we bought the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, one of the thing, first things we did was invest to upgrade the concessions and the bathrooms. I think there's over 166 bathrooms on site. And we invested to, you know, basically redo all the bathrooms to make sure it provided with a better customer experience because everything uh, is a part of the experience. Everything communicates, whether it's the ticket buying process, the parking, the traffic, everything. We want to make sure that that delivers on what our fans want. Yes, exactly. Totally agree. Every touch point matters. And just as a parent, <laughs> restrooms are, you know, especially, you know, are very, very important. So I, I just, I appreciate that. How has the technology at the, I mean, you know, you said it's in most 5G enabled um, venues in the country. I imagine that you are, you know, handling things like, like wayfinding and just figuring out crowd control and figuring out, you know, how people get into the door that has the least traffic. How does technology enable that kind of that onsite? experience? Yeah, well, I think first of all, the first place we always like to talk is security and safety of our fans. Mm -hmm. When you have 300,000 people come into a venue, you want to make sure that 
you have the proper level of security with cameras. You know, and we've worked with NTT on many of our smart venue initiatives. But also, if you think about the Indianapolis 500, it's the second largest city in the state of Indiana on race day. And so the ability for our healthcare wow. providers to communicate, uh, to make sure that our teams can communicate amongst each other. And so the communication platforms really touches every aspect of, of the event. And then you think about our media partners at NBC and to make sure they have the capability to communicate effectively and to utilize this amazing platform and deliver on the, the viewing experience at home. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting to think about when you have 300,000 people, you know, descending on one spot at the same time, it materially changes even the support needs of the city. Like that's fascinating and kind of crazy. We've got a great relationship and it's not just the city and the state, although we do have great relationships there, but it's the FBI, it's the Secret Service. We've wow. got a cross-functional team that we work with really beginning, you know, probably 100 days out from the race to make sure that we have a plan in place to ensure that our fans are safe and secure when they come to the race. How many races are there in, in the series? Yeah, there's 17. 17, okay. Do you have a similar, I mean, obviously Indianapolis 500 is the big one. Like, are there other ones that you feel like uh, get the same kind of attention or at least a, or maybe on a smaller scale, but you're thinking about these same kinds of challenges with these other races? Yeah, I would say every venue, Chris, you know, all 17 races we have, but to your point, it's to a different scale. But you know, when we have the race fans, like we kick off the season here in about a month in St. Petersburg, Florida, and we work closely with the team down there to make sure that uh, we have proper plans in place from a guest experience standpoint, also from a safety and security perspective. And obviously you think about all the hospitality and, and everything that goes into it. And so it might not be to the scale of the Indianapolis 500, but there's a really strong plan in place with our partners in each market. You mentioned the investment in digital, right? And obviously that relates to the, you know, at the race experience, in stadium experience, but the digital investment goes beyond, right? It's also about staying connected in between races and throughout the season. I'm curious your thoughts about that. Like, how do you see fans getting engaged while they're not at the race? You know, over the last two years, we've we've doubled the size of our digital staff from a Penske Entertainment standpoint in the NTT IndyCar series. You know, and if you if you think about what that's done from a, a result standpoint, if you look at our digital metrics over the last really 12 to, to 18 months, they've doubled in size. And so we've invested in our content teams to make sure we're delivering quality content, but also the output of our digital consumption has been significant. And really what that allows us to do is, to your point earlier, is tell the stories, the unique stories of our drivers and crew members with their helmets off and really what makes them unique. And it brings that casual fan deeper into the sport. You know, if you think about our television viewership, 2023 was the highest viewership we've had in more than 10 years on NBC. And so the viewership is growing, but more importantly, I think the digital engagement is growing significantly over 200%, like I mentioned. And so that's been a big investment for us. And we're going to continue to invest in that because we think it's bringing in that next generation of fans. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's been so interesting watching. It feels like motorsports is really having a moment as someone who's like not a huge uh, sports fan, but it's been interesting watching the content, content's role really in bringing motorsports to more fans. And, and I have to say, you know, I, I watched uh, Drive to Survive on Netflix and that introduced me to F1. I had never heard of F1 before. And it was just what you said, Jonathan, this like the stories of the people, helmets off, the relationships between the drivers and their teams. Um, it was captivating, you know, something that I think for, you know, new fans or people who never, you know, hurt, hurt thing really can get pulled into. How do you 
like prep your drivers. I, like I think about these drivers and they're, you know, these guys, like the things that they go through, the physical things that they go through in order to race, the things that they deal with during the race are kind of amazing, but they also have to be these, they're these characters, right? They're these, you know, heroes. I think this is true in a lot of sports, but how are you ex- kind of expanding that storytelling and creating those stories and, and getting out there online? And, and and like, I'm curious how someone in your position looks at the way that, you know, F1 really kind of popped because of Drive to Survive and like how that also, you know, related to IndyCar and, and what you see kind of as the future of content marketing for motorsports. Think about this. In about a month when we race at St. Pete, right before the drivers get in their cars and put their helmets on, you know, and drive 180, 200 miles an hour on this road course, they're going to be talking to fans, talking to partners, literally seconds before they get in the car. Imagine if Patrick Mahomes, right before he put his helmet on, was doing a sponsor meet and greet before he ran on the field. And so the access and the engagement that we have is really unique. And these drivers really are stars. I mean, to go into turn one at the Indianapolis 500, you're going 240 miles an hour with an open cockpit. But the way I look at the content to answer your question is we want our drivers to be themselves. You know, I I think it's really important that, and fans see that, we don't want them to become any type of character or any type of robot per se. We want them to be themselves, show their personalities, and I think that allows them to grow their tribes. And, and, you know, with that will come rivalries, which I think are important. And on content, you know, there's different types of content, right? I mean, if you, if you think about 100 Days to Indy, which is a highly produced show, uh, we're going to have six episodes again, which will lead into the Indianapolis 500. But there's also short form content, which isn't as produced, but it's really behind the scenes. And that's something we were investing in as well, because it allows fans to really get to know the drivers with their helmets off. I loved what you said about having the drivers be themselves, right? Because people connect to real people. And as soon as it feels like someone's acting or putting on a facade, uh, it, you know, it puts you off. And I had the chance when I went to the race, uh, we had a driver come speak to us into my group. And I thought to myself, like, isn't this guy about to get in a car and like, and go just like put his life on the line. I mean, I mean, there's also just a whole fear, like, you know, (laughs) just this whole, I think that there's a, you know, a a place you have to be mentally to be able to do that. But, you know, me, I would be like in the sensory deprivation tank, you know, doing my meditation. Like I couldn't, I I wouldn't be able to speak to anyone for several hours before a race. And I was so impressed with that. And, you know, the rivalries and speaking frankly about what's going on. I think one of the drivers had like eaten some bad chicken the night before and like, wasn't feeling that well. Like it was just like, you know, that's all real. That's like, that's like real human and stuff that happens. And I was like, man, this guy's about to get in a car and do this thing. It was impressive. It really raised my opinion of the drivers and, you know, what they do when they get, when they get in that car. It's, it's tremendous. It really it's, is. It, you can't look away. It is. And also, you know, you think about the crews, right? I mean, you've got, depending on the race, anywhere from four to six to seven pit stops, right? And, and those crew members have to be really on their toes at all times. And so, it's amazing. And when you think about successful drivers, you know, there's there's really, I would say, three main characteristics when you look for and you see a successful driver. And number one is being a good teammate and being able to communicate effectively to your team to tell the team what you want out of the car. And then two, having the ability to win, you know, be a winner, to know what it takes to win. But then lastly is being commercially savvy because this sport is so important from a partner standpoint. And all these drivers have brands that they're associated with. And to be able to represent those brands in an authentic way is really important. Makes total sense. 
You said some very smart things about the importance of the digital experience and content marketing and, you know, how IndyCar is really sort of coming into a digital first world, which is like what we're all living in right now. But I got to imagine in your intro, you talked about the other parts of the Penske business and how you're dealing in a global automotive industry and, and trucking and all these things. And I have to imagine it was a pretty stark difference, right? When you acquired IndyCar in 2020. So I'm curious, like, talk to us about what that transition has been like and how your team, I think, has dealt with tackling a much different challenge and trying to wrangle IndyCar. Yeah, I guess, first of all, you know, we've been racing for 58 years with Team Penske and obviously competing in the Indianapolis 500 and the NTT IndyCar Series. So we, we knew the product, we knew how good it was, we knew the events and how good they were as well. But, you know, you think about our culture, and I know that, you know, we talk about a digital-first culture. And I'll tell you, when I think about Penske, we're really a customer-first culture. And Mm. I think we've applied that to the Penske Entertainment and IndyCar and Indianapolis Motor Speedway teams. And what that means is we want to meet the customer or the fan however they want to engage with the the product. And so if they choose they want to involve from a digital perspective, we want to have the best digital platform for them to engage with. But if they want to engage otherwise, we want to make sure that we're prepared to do that as well. I think about the car buying process and our 300 plus dealerships. You know, we've created a hybrid buying platform for our, for our customers and it allows them to choose how they want to interface with our dealerships. If they want to buy all online, they can do that. If they want to do half online and half in the store, they can do that as well. And so we've taken that same approach with Penske Entertainment to make sure that we have a way to engage with our fans any way they want to engage with us. I mean, customer first. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Jonathan, are there are there any, you know, technology trends or new technologies that you are excited about on the horizon or that have helped with this, you know, customer engagement? Yeah, you know, I guess a couple things. You know, first of all, all of us have a big focus on environmental sustainability and how do we utilize technology to make sure that we're managing and investing to be better stewards of the environment going forward. And so, you know, one is we partner with Microsoft and NTT to develop a sustainability benchmarking platform for Penske Automotive Group, which will allow us to, to measure and track our scope one and scope two emissions in real time. And so we can actually see where we are every single day and continue to invest to lower those emissions. I think from a technology perspective, obviously AI is kind of the buzzword now that everybody's talking mm-hmm. about. You know, and we're starting to invest in AI as well. I mean, I think about within our Penske Automotive Group uh, dealership from a customer perspective and, and how they schedule their appointments to get their car serviced. And we've created a platform utilizing AI that allows customers to schedule those appointments on their own time when they want to do it. And it utilizes AI to find the openings in our schedule. And in turn, it's made our, our locations more efficient. It's made our bays more profitable. And so those are examples of uh, two, two trends that we're obviously seeing a lot of. But I go back to what I said earlier. We're really focused on the customer and how do we make sure that experience with the customer exceeds their expectations. I love thinking about AI as not only just a way to, you know, I think it's a way to drive cost savings, right, and make it easier for people to get things done without involving humans. But I love what you said about, like, making the, the customer experience better, right, like ma- matching them up with the right locations, is I think a really good use. It just it enhances the the customer experience versus you know just cutting costs. I think you really can go both both sides. 
but I, I like that a lot. And the Microsoft NCT partnership for measuring emissions, I mean, that is really cool. I'm sure that there are some very cool technology behind that. I mean, you can't, you know, what's the saying, right? You can't manage what you don't measure. Exactly. So you're, you're able to watch that on a daily basis. That's amazing. Yeah. And not only that, by location, right? I mentioned uh, we've got over 300 locations. And so you can actually drill down by location and see the emissions scope one and scope two. The other area that we see is obviously automation. And we've partnered together with NTT on automation around you know, tasks that are routine that people do, but also our onboarding process for our employees. And so we've partnered with NTT uh, around making sure that we can automate that. And we work with Automation Anywhere along with NTT as part of that process. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, we, we say we say all the time, right? Like great customer experience actually starts with great employee experience, right? If you can onboard your employees and get them, you know, productive and effective sooner, like that's good for your business because they can help your customers sooner and better. Right. So many of our clients are saying to us, you know, where should I use AI? Like what, what should my perspective on this be? And one of our common prompts to them is start by looking inward, like look at your employee onboarding, you know, where, where is the friction and the toil that exists with your internal employee base? And let's figure out how to smooth some of that out, right? If things are smoother, you will go faster and that will help everything. So it's very common to sort of look inward first. Yeah, that's great. And I'll tell you, you know, we touched on this a few, few seconds ago around environmental sustainability. And you think about motorsports, you know, we aspire for the NTT IndyCar series to be the most sustainable racing series on the planet. And I'll tell you some of the investments we've made over the last three years. Number one, we're the only series to have 100% renewable racing fuel. We partnered with Shell to be able to develop that. Uh, we've partnered with Bridgestone to have renewable racing tires utilizing a shrub out of the southwest, southwestern part of the United States called Waiuli. And so really invested from a sustainability perspective, but also benchmarking and tracking. And we track our emissions uh, on an annualized basis to see the impact we're making on the environment. In fact, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, received the gold medal from a, a third-party service that looks at sporting venues across the country. And I think when we secured that, we're the only motorsports v- uh, venue globally to get that. Wow. No, oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. That's, uh, yeah, that's great. Tell me about this shrub. How'd you find this shrub? <laughs> I'll tell you. So we've got a relationship with Bridgestone, you know, Firestone, great company, great brand, just like NTT. And they have a lot of smart people that are working on the future of sustainable tires. And that's how it was brought to us. Got it. Yeah. I wasn't out there looking for it uh, personally. <laughs> Listen, great companies working together can really do great things. And I just love when when solutions are not what you expect. That's right. (laughs) I have to ask, do you have a favorite race day story, Jonathan? You know, there's nothing like the Indianapolis 500 and what happens the 60 to 90 minutes before the race. You know, you think about 300,000 people on site and it's Memorial Day weekend and we pay tribute to the men and women of our military and our first responders. And when they play taps, you can hear a pin drop in that venue. Wow. It's amazing. And so to me, every year to be able to see that is something that I I really look forward to. You know, every venue that we compete in has its own unique characteristics. There's some great ones. You know, Gina, you mentioned Laguna Seca, which is in a great part of the country. Uh, Long Beach, which is, you know, approximately, you know, 20, 30 minutes from downtown LA, which is a great venue. Toronto up in Canada, which is a great one. 
So each one is really unique. And so when I, when I go to these markets, you know, I really like to spend time and get to know the cities and really see the impact that these events make on those cities from a, from an economic standpoint. Jonathan, how did you get into, how'd you become a motorsports fan? Yeah. You know, I grew up in Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. Dad was in the military, uh, ended up going to college at the university of Georgia, spent time on the agency side, marketing and advertising agency, and was hired by a client at the time, Molson Coors, Miller, uh, the Miller Lite brand. And they were a big investor in motorsports and sports in general. And one of my last jobs I had at Miller was managing all of their sports marketing. And so really got exposed to it. Miller happened to be a big partner of the Penske organization. And so I was fortunate to get to know Roger and the leadership at Penske. And as I was leaving Miller about 16 years ago, I got a phone call from Mr. Penske that asked me if I wanted to join the, the uh, organization. And it's been 16 years and it's an amazing company. You know, obviously we get the excitement of, of motorsports and what we do there, but we also have a, a thriving business on the automotive side and the, and the transportation side. And so really get to touch all aspects of the business. And like anything, we've got a great team, great people. You know, I'll, t- I'll tell you, one of the things I love to see is in our racing organization, we've got over 500 employees and when you go to the facility on the walls, they've got the names of the people that have been there longer than 10 years. And over half the company has been with the company longer than 10 years. Wow. And so it speaks wow. to the continuity in our people that we have. I hear you're also a golfer, though. So so riddle me this. How do you how are you into race cars and also golfing? Because those seem like very different sports, very different speeds, <laughs> yeah, very, very different, different speeds for sure. Um, I've always enjoyed playing golf. Not very well, mind you, but I enjoy playing. <laughs> and uh, for me, it's a, it's a stress reliever. I love to walk uh, on the course. I think it's great exercise. And just the competitive, you're really competing against yourself and being able to do that. I'm a competitive person. And so that's something that I enjoy. And I've got a, I've got a 14 and 11-year-old boy and a girl, and they're nice. really into golf too. And so it's something I get to do with them, which is great. Yeah, it's it's a completely different experience. Quiet, long walk. Yeah, <laughs> at, at, the, at the raceway, it's like this is like it's a completely different nervous system experience. You know, you gotta you gotta have some balance. I like that's that. right. You gotta have both. You gotta have both. Exactly. <laughs> well, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. As we wrap up, I just want to ask you one last question, which is going into the next season, twenty twenty four, kicks off in a few months. Anything that you are looking forward to, looking out for, uh, especially excited about that we can call out for the folks listening? Yeah, I'll I'll tell you, number one, I'm just excited to get back to the racetrack. First week of March, we go to St. Petersburg. And I'll tell you, two weeks later, we have a new event at the Thermal Club in Palm Springs, California, uh, which is going to be amazing, too, where our drivers and teams compete for a million dollar prize. And so we have a lot to look forward to. We've got, I think, over 27 full-time teams this year, really healthy teams. I think just the competition and being able to see that, I'm really excited about season two of 100 Days to Indy. I think those six episodes uh, are going to build on what we saw last year. We've got the same production team that's doing that. And then really the fan experience and the guest experience, continue to invest in that in unique and relevant ways to grow our fan base. We've got some exciting things happening in the NTT IndyCar Series this year. Later this summer, we're moving to a hybrid engine, um, which is something we've been working on with our partners from Honda and from General Motors. I think that's going to be very exciting. And then working on the next future of our television rights and obviously making sure that our fans have the opportunity to consume our sport in a way that makes it 
easy, but also uh, engaging. And we've got a great partner right, right now with NBC. We're excited about the future of that as well. That's wonderful. So St. Petersburg, Florida, Sunday, March 10th. If we've got a listener listening to the show who's never watched an IndyCar race, they should tune in. NBC, is that where it catch the race? It'll be on network TV, NBC. I think the race starts uh, around 1230 East Coast time. And so it uh, should be a great weekend. We'll be in the sun, hopefully, and uh, we'll have a great crowd. I know uh, this is the 20th anniversary of the St. Pete race, and uh, ticket sales, wow. I think they're up over 15% versus last year. So a lot of momentum for the sport. That's wonderful. And definitely download the app before you turn into the turn into the show. Get, have your second screen kind of ready to check it out while you're watching exactly. it. That's really wonderful. Jonathan, congratulations on just your success of the sport. And, and thank you for your time. It's like, and, and thank you for being such a wonderful partner to NTT Data. And we to really, NTT. really appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate it. It's great. We, we, it's great working with you and um, seeing what's possible with just great technology, great experience, great people, great teams. Thank you so much, Gina. Thanks, Chris. We're very proud to represent the NTT brand. We really appreciate it. And uh, I, I will close with this. If you're listening to this and you are excited about IndyCar and you download the app and you're like, wow, I would love to talk to somebody about building an app like this for my company, please reach out. We would love to talk to you. We uh, have an email address that you can hit us up. It's catalyst, C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T at nttdata.com. And we would love to hear from you. Jonathan, thanks again. Take care, and we will uh, talk to you soon. All the best. Sunday, March 10th. March 10th. Thank <laughs> Looking you. Looking forward to it. <laughs>